We'll turn to God's Word. If you have a Bible this morning, we're reading from Lamentations and chapter 3. Lamentations, uh, chapter 3. You just move in uh, to the book of Isaiah, Jeremiah, then you'll come to Lamentations. And we're reading from Lamentations chapter 3. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for your precious word. And we pray for your help, for your anointing, Lord, to come and to speak to hearts. This morning we ask, Lord, that you would open on the stopped ears, Lord. And we pray that you would speak in afresh to our hearts. Lord, we thank you for your precious word, wherever it is proclaimed this morning. We pray for your anointing to be upon it that you would breathe by your great power, that you would make dead men live. Lord, that you would speak, Lord, through these clay vessels. Glorify your name. We ask all these mercies in Jesus' name. Amen. Lamentations chapter 3, well-known verses, uh, verse uh, 21. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 21. This I recall to my mind, and therefore have I hope, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him and to the soul that seeketh him. I want to speak this morning on trusting in the faithfulness of God. This word faithfulness, as we read, as we're reading here this morning, the Bible tells us that his faithfulness is great. And that word simply means this morning, faithfulness means trusty or trustworthiness, that you can trust the Lord and you can trust in his faithfulness. And, you know, in life and The Bible says that our lives are like a vapor of air, that we appear for a time and then it vanishes. Life is short. But what I have noticed, and I'm certainly not that old, but what I have noticed and what I hear so often for those that have walked the Lord, maybe walked with the Lord for 25, 30 years, 35 years, 40 years, and 45 years and 50 years. And what you find is as men and women grow old in God as they walk with the Lord. They have an appreciation for this wonderful truth that the Lord's faithful. And what you often find at funerals or Thanksgiving services for those that have died in the Lord, you'll often find that old hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, because men and women have proved and found out that, of course, the Bible tells us that the Lord is faithful. That's how we know He's faithful, because the Bible tells us He is faithful. But God not only wants us to know that, He wants us to experience His faithfulness. And how can you experience His faithfulness if you don't go through experiences where He reveals His faithfulness to you? What you find out very early on is, As a a young Christian, what you seem to find out very quickly is that when you get saved, when you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, it's an amazing thing to know that you're born again, to be saved and to be washed in the blood and, and to be delivered and to be set free. And very quickly you realize that God's been faithful. 
in saving you and saving me. What you begin to realize very quickly is that God has responded to the cry of loved ones, of parents, of friends, of grandparents, of neighbors, of work colleagues. And God responds and suddenly you realize God's been faithful. In His faithfulness, He saved us. In His faithfulness, He's kept us. In His faithfulness, He brings us through the trials of our lives. And as we go through life and as we're living in the day that we're living in, as we are approaching, as Paula prayed this morning, the coming of the Lord, as the Lord is coming soon and as it seems that the night is getting darker and it seems that the, the times are more wicked and it seems that all the fulfillment of what the Lord has warned us would happen in the last days are taking place right now. And what we must know is in these final moments of time that great is the faithfulness of God. Now what God has begun, God will also finish because He's a faithful God. Out of 150 Psalms, we know that David, he penned about half of them, just nearly half of them. And when you look into the life of David, and when you read the Psalms, it gives you a little snippet and sometimes a revelation into his life with the Lord. The, the good times, the times of failure, the times of despair, the times when he wasn't faithful, yet he still talked about how God is faithful. And we see all the different things that happened in his life. And he puts his trust. One of the things that you find about David, he was trusting in the faithfulness of God. The psalmist says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. And with my mouth, he said, I will make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shall thou established in the very heavens. In Psalm 37, David's at the end or towards the end of his life. And we must know that wherever we are in life, but particularly as we approach the final stages of life, I want to encourage you this morning, God's faithful. God will be with us. We don't have to fear as the shadows come and weakness comes and the outward man begins to perish. God is faithful. God, he who has begun a good work shall also finish it. God will keep us right to the very end, right to the final breath, or should he burst through the clouds today? We serve a faithful God. That's the hope in the heart of the believer. It's not our faithfulness, it's his faithfulness. David said these words, if you turn to Psalm 37, verse 23, we know these verses well. But he said, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Your life with the Lord, God has ordered your steps. You're the righteous man or the righteous woman who's saved this morning. And when you look back on your life, what you see is there's the hand of God upon you. There's God that has kept you. Do you know what you actually begin to realize? Even before you were saved, that God was coordinating and God was sovereign over your whole life to bring you to the point that He saved you. And then the steps of that good man are ordered of the Lord. God orders the steps. God begins to direct the path. God brings you to places that you could never imagine that you would be, even bound the hinge. And he delighteth in his way. And then it says in verse 24, look, look at it. 
Though he fall, though he fall, though he fall. Anyone ever fallen? Any Christian ever fallen? Praise the Lord, Frank. (laughs) Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down. Why? Why is that? You know, the Lord doesn't deal with us the way we deal with each other. Thank God. Though he fall, he'll not utterly be cast down. For the Lord, the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Isn't it lovely to know you're in the hand of God this morning? Isn't it good to know, even though you've fallen, that he's going to lift you up? Isn't it good to know that he's faithful? Isn't it good to know that his arm's not short, that it cannot save? It cannot keep? And then he says this, and this encapsulates the faithfulness of God. Look what he says. I have been young, and now I am old. And yet I have I not seen the righteous forsaken. Never. Look, can I just ask if you're in the older bracket? I don't want to be offensive. Can I ask you the question this morning? If you're not in the older bracket and you're in the middle bracket, or the, I don't want to get anyone offended this morning. But there's a few of you might try to pretend you're not in the older bracket. We're not going to point you out. But if you're in the older bracket, can I ask you a question this morning? Has God been faithful to you? Has God ever failed you? Ever? You know, the younger people and the young in the Lord need to know that God never fails. And they need to know, of course, the Word of God tells us that's the truth. But we need to know it as an experience in our life. God never fails us. You can trust the Lord. He will bring you through. So he says, I've been young and now I'm old and I've never, never, I never, I've never seen, never seen the righteous forsaken. Has the righteous, that's those, the child of God today, older people in the Lord. Can I ask you a question? Sorry, I just want to encourage you this morning, but would you encourage us? Let me ask you the question this morning. Has God ever forsaken you? Can you come and praise him for that this morning? Has he ever forsaken you? Isn't that amazing? And you sit there with older saints, and frail they may be in body. And when you sit with them and they begin to talk about the Lord, what seems to emanate from their life and their experience is, God's been faithful. God's never let me down. He's never let me go. God's been faithful because they've lived a life And they have the experience of walking a whole life with the Lord through the valleys, through the floods, through the rivers, through the trials, through the disappointments, through the valleys, even the shadow of the valley of death. But they find that he's the lily of the valley and he's the bright morning star. And it's not just that they have a head intellectual appreciation, but they have an experience with walking with the Lord. And there's a depth in that, isn't there? And so he says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. But this is a lovely part of it. Nor his seed. Did you hear? Nor his seed. Did you see what what he's saying? I've never seen the righteous forsaken. So if you're the righteous this morning, his righteousness imputed upon you. But then this is a promise to your seed. Nor your seed begging for bread. Not an awesome promise. He is merciful and lendeth. Then it says, and his seed 
is blessed. In order for us to grasp, to learn, to trust in the faithfulness of God, it it requires of us young believers, middle-aged believers, older believers, it requires of us to go through experiences that will reveal to us how great his faithfulness really is. So we're going to go through some stuff. Don't, don't think it a strange thing about the fiery trial. Don't think it's, why well, this is very odd, it's only me. No, no, no. God's going to do something wonderful in the trial. David Wilkerson said this, Our faith is not meant to get us out of a hard place or change our painful condition. Rather, it's meant to reveal God's faithfulness to us in the midst of our dire situation. You know, sometimes our faith in God and our faith in Him, He'll deliver us out of it. Praise the Lord, He's a great deliverer. Sometimes He instantly breaks through and heals a man of cancer. Praise the Lord, He's a wonderful healer. But what I've found and you've found and all of us have found is often most of the things we go through can be long and sometimes difficult. The situation, the mountain peaks are a peak, but the valleys can be long and deep. But God wants us to see something in all of it. How do you experience the faithfulness of God if you've never had an experience in order to prove that what He says He is, He is? Do you understand what I mean? So Isaiah says in Isaiah 43, you know the verse as well, when you pass through the waters... And the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon you. But listen, what did he say? He said, when? He said, when? He didn't say if. He said, when? When you pass through the waters... When you, that simply means you're going to go through circumstances. The waters there simply mean you're going to go through circumstances that are so awful, so dark, so despairing. When you go through the waters, this is what the Lord says, I'm going to be with you. And through the rivers, that's when the floods come. When the floods come in, when the enemy comes in like a flood. They shall not overflow thee. When you're walking through the fire, when you walk, it says when you walk through the fire. Not if you walk, it says when you walk through the fire. And the fire we know will have a purpose in our life to purify us. But he says it'll not destroy you. Neither shall the flame kindle upon you. Why? Because I'm the Lord your God. Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. What does it say? Many. And then there's a butt, Frank. That's right. He's well ahead of me. But the Lord delivereth him out of them. Oh, I've been young. Now I'm old. Never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. How can we know that he's a deliverer if he's never delivered us? How can we know that he's a healer if he's never healed us? How can we know that he's faithful 
if we don't experience things in life that prove to us great is thy faithfulness, O God. So the tests that come serve a very important purpose in our life. And there's two vital purposes. One, to reveal the faithfulness of God. But number two, this is a very important one. The purpose of the test, the purpose of the experiences in our life as a believer is to weaken, I want you to hear this this morning, is to weaken our resolve and our confidence in ourselves. That's the part we don't like. You get a toddler, and not this toddlers, they get a bit older, but remember when the toddler had the bunch of keys that they weren't supposed to have, and you run over to him and say, now give me those keys, you're not supposed to have them. And then you try and get those fat wee fingers off that ring of keys, and you have to peel them off, and they don't want to give it up, right? And from an early age, we're being taught to make ourselves vulnerable. When you're a toddler and you're hanging on the side of the settee, and, and your mummy's standing there, and, and in my case, your big sister and your granny, and I can't remember this, and you're wearing your wee shorts, and you're hanging on the settee, and you don't want to leave the settee, and you think, come on, Timmy. <laughs> and your wee chubby legs, and your wee shorts, and all, I know it's... And then you're going to let go, and you're going to trust as your mummy's standing, you're going to trust that as you go forward, you're reaching out to your mum. Then as you're about to fall, you suddenly feel hands grab you and they lift you up. You know, it's so similar as a Christian, but not just when we're young Christians, when we're old Christians too. Now we need to take our resolve and our confidence in ourselves and it's a vulnerable place. The weakness. You know, if I could ask a question, this is probably going to be like for some people, it might feel like jumping off a cliff. But if you're here this morning, and I, you hear a lot of these terms, but you have no self-confidence. You're here this morning, you have no self-confidence. You, in yourself, there's no self-confidence. I'm going to ask you to do something. This is going to be major for you. I understand that because the fact that you have no self-confidence, you, you don't like to do anything or express it in any way. Would you just very gently just put your hand up if you really feel that you're a person? I know it's hard, but I, there's one and there's two and there's three is there, and there's four and there's five and there's six and there's seven. See, so you help each other and there's eight and is there anybody else? Is that you just scratching your head, Luke? <laughs> He's, he's he's trying to help his dad out here, so he, has, he only scratched his head. He's. Let me tell you something about those. Can I just encourage you this morning? And maybe you didn't put your hand up. Listen to me. You are a prime candidate for God to use. You're actually what God's looking for. It, because it's easier. Because you know it's never going to be you. But one thing you're going to know, it is going to be God. When we pull away the confidence in ourselves, it's hard. That's where the experiences come. Because we've got the driving wheel and we're going to do it our way. And then God starts to pull the fingers off. And he starts to bring us in the experiences that 
Take away all self-confidence. And all our confidence is in Him. That we begin to trust Him. That we begin to truly let Him do what He wants to do. I'm looking for this quote here, but I want to encourage you with it. Hudson Taylor said this, All God's giants have been weak men and women who have gotten a hold of God's faithfulness. All God's giants have been weak men and women. The purpose and the test is to weaken our resolve, to make us vulnerable. Our confidence in self begins to go. You know, Peter steps out of the boat and the Lord stands and said, Peter, you come. Many might criticize Peter, but he's the only other man that's ever lived outside of the Lord that walked in water. He's a man that walked on water. Only him and Jesus. Because at that moment, everything of self was gone and suddenly his eyes were fixed upon the Lord. And a man can walk in water. The test is to weaken the resolve of self-confidence and reliance and bring us individually and even as his church that he is the Lord and he's our helper. And he's the one that's faithful. And he's the one that will bring us through. If you turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 32 this morning, I think I've preached in this chapter quite a lot over the years. But I've seen a couple of things that I didn't see before. Isn't that wonderful about the Word of God? You see, you've maybe read it so many times, and then you read it again, and something hits you. Isn't it lovely how the Lord is a treasure trove? But in this chapter, Hezekiah finds himself in a very difficult position. Uh, The king of Assyria is coming with an army to destroy them. And the people don't know what to do or who to turn to or how they're going to get themselves out of this particular trial that they're in. What you notice about Hezekiah, Initially, he responds to the enemy or he responds to the circumstance like what most of us do. So you look at it there in verse 3 of chapter 32. It begins then that he took counsel with his princes. So most of the time when our difficult trials come, and this is not wrong, it's a good thing to inquire or to take counsel. So when we take counsel and when we begin to ask in their trials, what do you think I should do? And, and what do you think I should do? And, and what do you think I should do? And, and we take some counsel, but so often what we're trying to do in that is, rather than trust God, is just to find the opinion of men. You know, Elaine gave me a quote on Friday morning. I wish I had a thought of it. I think she wish, wishes she had a thought of it, but it was Spurgeon that thought of it. And this is what he said. Keep me from the tree of knowledge that I may have the tree of life. Because it's not wrong, please, it's not wrong for counsel. It's not wrong to seek encouragement. That's not wrong. But so often we're trying to find an answer in man. Our only answer is found in the great counselor and his name's Jesus. So we see in verse 3 that he took counsel. In verse 4, he began to gather the people together. This is something naturally that you'll see happening when the real trials come and the, and the rubber hits the road. 
So he gathered much people together and they stopped all the fighting. Some way we're going to stop this enemy. Some way we're going to do it. Some way, somehow, we'll gather people together. We're ready for this. We're going to do it. Right? Tells us then in verse 5, look what happened. Then he strengthened himself. Well, I'm ready for this. I'm going to be able to do it. There's a lot of self-confidence here. There's a lot of activity going on against the enemy. So he strengthens himself. He builds up the wall that was broken. He raised up the towers. And another wall was out. He repaired Melu, the city of David. He made darts and shields in abundance. In other words, I'm ready for this. I'm going to do this. All in himself. Then verse 6, it says, He set captains over the war. The people gathered them together in the street of the gate of the city. And then he began to speak. What you note here in this story is, The initial reaction is often what we do in our working out of things. The troubles come, the pressures come, the trials come, the dire circumstances have come. We seek counsel, we talk to everybody. We're going through it, we're going through the trial. We gather people together, we build up the wall. We'll get all the darts and all the shields ready. We're ready for this one. All the people gathered together. And then Hezekiah brings a word of the Lord. This is the first time in this. After all that massive activity, can I tell you something? That the Lord didn't use any of that to bring the victory. None of it. And so the people gather together and he speaks to them. Verse 7, look what he says. Second Chronicles 32, Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid or dismayed of the king of Assyria, not, nor for all the multitude that is with him, for there be more than us than with him. With him is the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us, and he's going to fight our battles. This is after all the activity. And then it says these words. Now listen, this is the first time we seem to get a breakthrough. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, the king of Judah. The Lord's going to help us. And what did he say? And the Lord's going to fight our battles. And it says that they, look what it says, and the people rested upon the words of the king of Judah. I want to show you what that means. The rest. Now what does the proverb say? Trust in the Lord with all your, lean not on your, Lean not on your own understanding all your ways. And what will he do? He's going to direct your path. Isn't that the word? What does it mean? The trust or the lean? The people rested themselves upon the word of the Lord. Now I'm going to trust someone here for a moment. Brent, you're about the same size as me. You stand up here for a second. Now I need you to do this. Don't move. Or this, this could end up in a, it's all right. That's, I need, no, no, don't turn this sideways. All right. <laughs> don't, don't move. Just stay there. I'm going to lean on him. You, back. you better not move. <laughs> I'm going to lean on him. I'm going to lean on him. Now, if he moves at the minute, I'm going to fall, am I? And he's not going to move. And that's what it means when they rested upon the word of the Lord. They leaned upon the word they trusted the word let me tell you something god's word never fails so we can trust we can lean 
They rested upon the word of the Lord. They had sought the counselors. They had got the people together. They got the darts. They got the shields. They built the walls. We are going to drive this devil out of this place. And they rested on the word of the Lord. Now look what happens. Then the enemy really came. Is that right? You're going to trust the Lord? You're going to believe the Lord? You're going to put your trust in his word? Well, here's the enemy coming. And what's the first thing he says in verse 10? Whereon do ye trust? The first thing he questioned was, why are you trusting? What you're trusting in is going to fail. Now, let me tell you, the devil's a liar. Isn't he a liar? So he's going to say, why are you trusting the word of the Lord? Why are you trusting in what God has said? The devil's a liar. You can't trust his word. And that's what the enemy began to bombard them with lies. And so the fear began to break in. And the doubt began to come because the enemy was determined to break through into that camp and began to mock them, began to make light of them. And the enemy cried against them. Hezekiah, and we'll not go there at this moment, but Hezekiah, when he eventually interceded and prayed, do you know what he said in his prayer? You can read the whole prayer in Isaiah 37. But this is what Hezekiah called the day. He said, it's a day of trouble. It's a day of rebuke. It's a day of blasphemy. And then he talked that the children are come to the birth and there's no strength to bring forth. In other words, they were weak. They'd been weakened. What was happening? That the Lord was permitting the enemy to come against them for this purpose. They were weakened in themselves, but God was about to bring a mighty deliverance. So that it was not what they had done, but it was in the Lord, their helper. He was going to bring the deliverance. And so the enemy is so subtle, you know. He spoke in their language. He began to speak in the Jewish tongue. And he began to give them letters in order to discourage them. You know, the devil speaks every language there is in this planet, including Ulster, Scots, Gaelic, whatever you want. He can speak in it. He can speak in every language. One language he can't speak in is a heavenly language. No, he can't. A Holy Ghost language. He can't speak in that language, nor does he understand it. The power of that language, that heavenly language, and the enemy pursues was rent, relentless, and the counsel and the darts and the shields and everything was brought. We come right up to verse 20, when they were weakened. What does it say in verse 20 of Second Chronicles 32? And for this cause, Hezekiah the king and the prophet Isaiah the son of Amos prayed and cried to heaven. Do you see once they prayed and cried for heaven? Verse 21 says this, And the Lord, this is what happened, the Lord dispatched an angel and delivered them. Once they cried, once all self-confidence and reliance was taken from them and they were weakened to that point and then they interceded before the throne of grace they got to this place, church, I believe we're coming here, that we know it's not in ourselves, 
that we know it's not in our own abilities, that we know it's not in our own strengths, that we know it's not in our own efforts, that we know it's not in our own religious activity or programs, that we know it's not in what we're doing, but when it's we as the people of God in our weakness and there's no confidence in ourselves, get before the throne of grace and cry out to the God of heaven, God responds and he sends a deliverance. And what do we find out is he's a faithful God. He's a faithful God. The psalmist says, hear my prayer, Psalm 143, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, would you answer me? And in your righteousness, enter not into judgment with thy servant, Psalm 143, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has smitten my life down to the ground. He had made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old. I meditate on thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Hear me speedily, O Lord. My spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me, lest I be like unto them that go down to the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. For in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my soul. What's he doing? He's interceding. I lift up my soul to thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide. Teach me to do thy will. For thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake. For thy righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. And of thy mercy cut off mine enemies, destroy all them that afflict my soul, for I am your servant. That's an intercession. That's a cry. You know, we read this morning as I close. This I recall to my mind, and therefore I have hope. As of the Lord's mercies, that we're not consumed. Why? Because of compassions they never feel. Then it says that they're new. They're new. When? We just say every single morning. They're new. You know what the Bible says of his faithfulness? His mercies are new every morning. But in Psalm 92, this is what it says of his faithfulness. It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto his name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning. Then this is what it says. Just listen, and thy faithfulness when? At night. Isn't it good to know his mercies are new every morning? If the Lord tarries, if we get another night and another morning, tomorrow morning when you wake up, listen, brothers and sisters, his compassions don't fail. His mercies are new every morning. The Bible says a couple of things about his faithfulness. It reaches to the clouds. And then it says, his faithfulness is at the night. It's at the night. Do you know, there's a couple of ways I see this. It's just, after a day, you're tired, you've worked hard, you come home and whatever, whatever you do, but at the close of a day, 
You're about to get ready to get into that bed and you sit there and you look over a day. You know what you can say? He's been faithful. Every night. It also shows us something else. Night speaks of the close of something. Of the close of a period. Of the close of a time. On an individual basis, it speaks of when the night hour comes. Most people don't think about it. But you know, it's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of laughter. And when the night time comes, when we face for the believer, brothers and sisters, for the believer, what a precious thing for to die in Christ. Now as the night comes, what we know Wherever that may be, but if it's in the fullness of time of what the Lord gives us, 70, 80, whatever, 90 years, what we know is the night hour comes. He's going to be faithful. He's going to bring us through that veil and right in to his glorious presence to be ever with the Lord. What it also means is to close. When that season of darkness has come, when that difficulty comes, when that trial comes, when those experiences come, squeeze tight upon us, when it seems that the night hour and the trial has come, see it the night? Let me tell you something. Saints, I want to encourage you this morning going through the depths of it. God is faithful. And you can trust his faithfulness. What a savior. If you don't know him, if you don't know him this morning as your savior, I want to tell you something. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have him than all the riches untold. If you don't have this Christ as your savior, Just a breath. Just a breath. I want to tell you he's faithful. What a friend we have in Jesus. He's a faithful friend. He's a wonderful saviour. He's a faithful friend. And he'll be faithful to the end. Because he's promised, Jesus has promised, I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. I tell you the most important thing you need in your life, you're searching for something. You're looking for something. You're here this morning. You're here to look for something. I want to tell you what you're looking for. His name's Jesus. And he's a wonderful savior. He sticks closer than a brother. And he's faithful. You can trust him this morning. Trust in the faithfulness of God. I stand together. David and Jonathan's going to come this morning. We're going to sing that song. Some may have to leave. That's fine this morning. But... There's a wee song here we want to sing this morning. It's an old, old, old Brooklyn one way, way back. Many of you should know it. He's been faithful. And he has been faithful. And I want just 
to encourage you this morning as we sing it, help David to sing it this morning. But as it's ministering to you, I want you to do something. Would you minister to the Lord? Do you understand what I mean this morning? Would you minister? Has he been faithful? Saints, has he been faithful to you? Then in all of it this morning, whatever you're going through, whatever trial, whatever circumstance, I want to encourage this morning, minister to him and thank him that he's faithful. Take away all self-reliance and let's trust him this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's minister to the Lord, amen.